0: Hello everyone out there in podcast Listener Land, Chris here with another episode of Indie Talk, the bi-weekly conversation. My co-founder and friend Nick Bugs and I have on this very podcast. And this week we talk about the differences between uh, being an artist and being someone that is derivative and and what it takes to be an artur once you're an artist. We talk about how to use the Emmys as a form of research for casting for your next project. And we talk about the most successful independent film this year and what we can learn from it, the film The Farewell starring Aquafina. So with that, I hope you enjoy this wide ranging and fun conversation between Nick and I on this week's Andy Talk. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and it is an indie week. And if you haven't noticed, we switched the day that we are releasing these. And uh, I might just, and, and Nick, uh, who is joining me on the uh, on this conversation, Nick, say hello. What's up, folks? Mm-hmm. We, we might decide just to move away from a particular day, but just, but just release the content and then promote it and let you know. And I think I I had this epiphany, you know, a week ago or so, and it occurred to me that podcasting is at scale, folks. It is out there and the shows you listen to or the shows you listen to. And I think the rules sort of change in real time. And when you started in podcasting or if you started in podcasting around 2006 or seven, there were rules. There were, you know, you you stay consistent, you release on a certain day, and you don't miss a week, and da-da-da-da-da. But now what we're seeing is the most successful podcasters in the world. So, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Joe Rogan, Mark Marin, Tim Ferriss, those podcasts... They actually don't stay on any type of schedule. They you kind of stay on their schedule, or they're season based. Like um, uh, this American Life is is not season based, but they play reruns and they have such a such a bank of podcasts that can roll things out from ten years ago that you never heard. Um, the Malcolm Gladwell piece I talked about is season based. Serial is season based, and so. With that in mind, I think there is some value in just making great podcasts as they come and making sure that it's wonderful content and something that's useful to you when it does come out because those that listen to this podcast sort of are tied into uh, where we market and promote this and um, those who aren't will we'll find it anyway So uh, through, through our other means. So Nick, what do you think about that?
1: I think it sounds good, man. I think it, you know, from one angle, it makes our lives a little bit easier and a little bit less formulaic. You know, I think our brand has always been to do things a little bit differently. And I think we're always seeking those opportunities to do just that. And I agree. You know, people are going to listen when they listen. Uh, if you have something good to say, they'll hear it, right? They're not going to wait till for a Friday or a Thursday or whatever it is to listen to you. Uh, so if you're dropping something good, they're following your stuff, they're going to listen. So I'm cool with that, man.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Plus, we have a couple of treats coming around the corner in terms of how we, you know, I think also one thing that's happening, and this is a freebie for any podcasters that are out there, but I think these services that that are out there now that allow you to promote conversations within the conversation or promote snippets within um, maybe a larger conversation that's in a conversation, so three levels in, that's kind of the next wave, I think, of 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 people listening to podcasts. I think it's a lot easier for the listener too. Nick, like the ability to, uh, and we did a we did a test run with the podcast like this earlier this year, where we had six interviews chopped up and edited into one, and then what we'll do is we'll turn around and break out each of those conversations and put them on Facebook or Instagram as a story or IGTV or or on snap or whatever. See what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then it's easier for the listener just to consume that and say, okay, that was good. And then, and then keep
1: it moving. Yeah. It's all about good content and that's basically what we're hoping to provide. And, you know, we've gotten some very good listenership, you know, over the past several months and it kind of continues to grow and we're happy about that. So let's just keep pushing good content out to good people and uh, we'll make some good things happen.
0: Yeah, I love it. So so today we have two main topics. One is the concept of being an artist and some of the work that has to happen to ensure that you're making art that other people are interested in. Because one of the questions that comes up all the time, you know, is, you know, will you what do you think of this script or what do you think of this idea or uh, will you invest in this movie? Will you work on this movie? Um, You know, why didn't this, you know, or, or, or how do you think the audience will take this content or that content? And I think it's important to address some of the hard and fast truths about why some artists seem to get a lot of interest, and why, if you're one of those artists who aren't getting interest on your work regularly, or interest on your work regularly, uh, why that is? Um, secondly, we're going to talk about the Emmys, which um, that Terrence Howard speech, bro. <laughs> I I, I got to tell you, I'm intrigued. I'm not. I, at first, I was like, oh, this guy's on one, but. But then I was really intrigued and I, I want to know, like I've always viewed him as a different dude and a smart dude. So yep. I just, I just, maybe he's onto something, but anyway, we're going to talk about the Emmys as a form of research for your next indie project, but, uh, and, and some of the sort of possibilities that, uh, for casting that, that live around that. Yep. But before we get into that, I had a, an off, I had an offhand question for you, Nick.
1: Are you ready? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, all, you're offhand questions, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> I'm going to do it. But, you know. <laughs> but go ahead, man. <laughs>
0: what,
1: what, what, was, what
0: is the strangest? I, I've asked some strange. Ones. I think one time on the group chat, I asked all the guys, uh, do we all eat asshole?
1: Oh, <laughs> come on, man! That's good.
0: Hey, dude. Seriously. I that mean, is, of our. I mean, I mean,
1: of our significant is, that is others. A, that is a cuttable moment, my friend. That well, is a okay. Cuttable, that is. A I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just
0: saying. Do you agree that that's the strangest thing I've asked offhand, or is there one that's
1: stranger than that? No, I'm sure that's one of the strangest. But yes, I would say that I will pause so that moment can be stricken from the record.
0: I don't think so. It's audio <laughs> veritas here. So, so no. This question isn't near as bad as that, um, which really isn't that bad if you think about it. It's just, it's just pleasure, and then, and so it's you know. <laughs> so here's the question, Nick: Do you want to live forever? I do. Interesting. So, with all that comes with that, you.
1: You're in, you're in. Yeah, but you you know, you know me well enough to know that I'm not talking about that physical Nick, right? Because that's not going to happen. And I'm not trying to watch everybody that I love die, right? That's not cool. So I'm talking about it. Yeah, I'm talking about it more on that spiritual plane. You know, hey, I wrote a book. That book will live forever. Hey, I was, you know, part of making a film happen. That film's going to live forever. Hey, I did some wonderful things for the filmmaking community and that will cascade into, you know, future generations of independent filmmaking. I'm going to live forever. Uh, I'm going to well, have Nick, you know, that, that kind of thing. That's, that's not, that's, I'm just saying. It's it. you, just you cheating. Asking I'm asking, question, do you physically
0: want to live? Do you want to live forever?
1: No, I don't. Okay. Why is that? because I'm not trying to watch everybody around me die. And I honestly don't know. This sounds like one of those like super trick questions where it's like, okay, you want to live forever, but you didn't actually caveat it with like, you're going to have the best health. You're not going to age. Like all these other things. I'm like, nah, man. There's like, Oh yeah, you're you know right. Let me, right. Let me, let
0: me, let me caveat. <laughs> let me caveat it because I am going to something. So there is, there has, there is early talk that the combination of the drug metformin with HGH, so human growth hormone and D uh, uh, I think it's D H E A. Mm-hmm. That cocktail increases the length of your telomeres. I believe is what it is. I could be wrong about that, I, but I think that's what it is. And l- literally turns back the clock on aging literally adjusts and affects the genes that monitor and control aging. So you would, you would in turn, yes, you would live forever theoretically and not age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now,
0: so now what's your answer?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think there's too many other caveats. Again, if I'm the only if I'm one of few, the only one, you know, I can imagine, you know, being around as I watch, you know, my children pass and, you know, other folks around me pass. And, you know, I don't think that there's a possibility that one does not age at all. I think there might be a slowing to it, but I don't know the impacts of that on the body either. It sounds like um, I'd rather them figure this out in the lab or somewhere else to prove that there's no adverse effects. But it just, it, that sounds crazy to me, you know, like I hear you, but nah, not right now. You know what? Do you remember Martin, uh,
0: what's his name? Uh, Martin, he has a crazy last name, Shrelly or I think, um, he's, he was the, the pharma, uh, guy, CEO, and he like uh, like increased the HIV pill by a thousand percent. He, he's he's in federal prison now, <laughs> Martin Shrelly or something like that. I think it's his name. That's what I'm afraid is gonna. I feel like we should all stockpile metformin right now, because right now it's just like this drug that's used for people who have borderline like type one diabetes and stuff like that, right? And just like Viagra was a pill that was supposed to do something else and ended up giving you a boner. This pill is doing one thing and they're finding it's much more effective doing something else. And so I'm like all these people condemning that guy, by the way, that are in pharmaceutical, they would absolutely do the same thing. They're just as, they're likely just as, as uh you know, ambitious around the the profit margins they want. The difference with the Martin guy was he was a dick about it. Like he got on social media and was like, ah, "Ha ha ha ha! I have your life in my hands." <laughs> like he was, he was like this fucking villain. You're right? <laughs> He's like a real life villain. And it's like, dude, when you're doing something shitty, stay low, bro. Like don't <laughs> don't because sometimes you get punished in the court of public opinion, and that affects how you get punished in real court. You know, so yeah. in the court of public opinion, people hated him and he just was so arrogant. Right. But I feel like if if they figure out Metformin's reversing your aging, can you imagine how much that pill's going to cost?
1: Uh, it will be what do they call it? It's like amongst the one percent.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So like while we can afford it. We ought to stockpile it just for the shit of it. Like just for the, <laughs> just in uh, case. Yeah, just a future. Um, uh, what's it called? It's an investing term to, 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 to basically leverage yourself against the unknown in the future. I'm forgetting hedging. the term for it. Yeah. I'm future, on future hedge. Yeah. We could future hedge and just get the metformin in advance. You know, and the rest of the stuff is, you know, you got to get HGH if you don't want to go to a strip mall in Miami. You have to go get that from, you know, a doctor. But those testosterone doctors, those ageless man shit, those are everywhere now. So <laughs> you can go you can go and get that and just have a regular doctor's appointment. You'll be straight. Yeah,
1: we am going to get my stuff from uh, Frank Thomas.
0: <laughs> those commercials those commercials make and listen I don't shy easily as you know those commercials make me cringe bro like I like I feel so uncomfortable for the dude like, like it's very clear that Frank Thomas is already sleeping with the woman now, and then the, the funny thing about it is Frank Thomas has to he has to admit, like he's not in playing shape. Like she's <laughs> she she's complimenting and he's he's straight
1: up kind of chubby. <laughs> Those are the best commercials. We saw him with a bike though, right? It's too easy for him. It's too easy. He got that bike like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's doing them curls at twenty-five pound dump like but. It's my favorite uh, It's literally my favorite and they're like, you know, and your husband'll love it too. Or like it's just it's it's oh awesome. my god.
0: Like, like the, the angle they took was just like if you don't want your if you don't want your wife to go fuck Frank Thomas. <laughs> Frank
1: Thomas, you better handle up. You better, you
0: better handle text. up, get this testosterone.
1: <laughs> you better send this text. <laughs> 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 it's you, great. Mm. It's, Honestly, like it, it is awesome, and I would say that, you know, what's what we forget, I think, what most people forget, mm-hmm. is that's film. Yeah, that is film. That's independent film. That's, it's you know, someone exactly. shooting
0: commercial. Everyone we work with in independent film pays their bills shooting
1: commercials. Right, and like that was somebody's
0: storyboard.
1: Yeah, that's and that's awesome. Like that's that's people's work out there, and that's why honestly I love it. Like every time I see those things. I mean, it's it's almost a spoof of itself, you know. It just it makes me smile, you know. Yeah. it is honestly it is a commercial that I see, and I see it way too often. It seems because it seems like they're everywhere, uh-huh. but it makes me smile every time I see it. I'm like, yep, yeah, yeah, Frank Thomas, man. These look at him. You look like you could still be playing. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh,
0: there was like this. There was like this first storyboard that played it straight and then the filmmaker and then the filmmakers like but what if we i just had an idea what if we try it this way right there you go and they they won the vote like 5-4 like bush gore he was like this yeah. <laughs> is like the, the playing it straight won the popular vote
1: Yeah, because you know what happens next, right? Because the next thing, I'm sorry for the folks who are listening. You know, I'm usually not like this. But, you know, I watch those things. And the next thing I'm thinking is like, yeah, he's got a BBC video out there. And uh, it's it's dude's wife and Frank (laughs) Thomas (laughs) in the back of the gym. (laughs) And she's like, if only he had sent that text. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so fucking crazy because like, because like. It actually like the like part of what's funny about it is how bad the acting is.
1: Yes, and, that's what I'm saying. It's, and it's and like, so
0: and so the acting is porn like acting.
1: Exactly. So anybody who didn't catch that BBC has nothing to do with the British. Yeah,
0: nothing to do with the British <laughs> at,
1: at all. But I, I just all. think
0: I just think man, the combination of that script and the bad acting and Frank Thomas being. Let's just say it overweight, and then <laughs> and then just we're all supposed to like sit behind the fourth wall and like pretend like he's jacked. You're right. <laughs> it's like like we're all in on the joke. Like oh yeah, we, we didn't see that. But That's but, right, but, but you know what's it's funny? Sometimes your right. <laughs> yeah, and this is a really good segue into you know our our first main topic, which is which is you know are you an artist. Uh, and, 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 or are you someone working towards being an artist? Uh, are you, are you creating, you know, uh, something that, that, that people can attach themselves to, or are you asking people to put on those blinders that Frank Thomas is asking us to put on and say, okay, I see where you're at, but, but for where you're at, that's good kind of thing. Like, and I think that, um, you, you don't want you don't want that second response even if it makes you feel good um, and, and like I said at the beginning I think what got me thinking about this is just one having an inspiring week out in LA and um, meeting Matthew Ralston and, and sort of seeing you know the work he's putting in uh, with his photography and 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 making sure everything's just right. And sort of, um, the, I was, um, at his book release party at AKA in LA and there was a virtual reality sort of explanation of, um, you know, of his art and he just goes deep, man. And it, and it made me think about what it takes to be him versus just, a you know, some other photographer, because there's so many photographers out there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And um, there is something that's there. And it's really hard to sort of tell the difference. And I know it's hard on the day-to-day. And I'm even taken back to, to my time, Dick, um, back when I was in solace in my singing group. And um, having conversations with the three other members of my group about what it would take for us to be successful. And we never got where we wanted to go. And, it, you know, you start to think about, well, what what was it? You know, what were we missing? Was it talent? You know, maybe. But then sometimes you hear people, let's say, you know, in music. Or maybe you see something in film and you say to yourself, like, like filmmakers love to shit on Michael Bay. But Michael Bay's making $100 million movies. Yeah, man. Right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, this guy. Well, yeah, there's, something, there's something to it. That's right. Um, so we hear people that we think we can sing better than, but what else are they doing to get the interest of the public at large and what type of day-to-day sacrifices and discipline that they have to create the work, you know they're creating. Um, so, one of the biggest uh, things that jumps out to me with the screenplays that I read and the ideas that I read is that they're highly derivative. Um, good ideas, but not the first to not the first to the party, right? And the issue with that is that they're designed to get a wide swath of public attention, but it's not the kind of attention you want as an artist. Um, no one will, will remember it or view you as, you know, this super creative or whatever. Maybe that's not what you want, but I think that being the artist is the way to have that type of immortality. Nick, you talked about in the beginning. Um, but it's tough, it's tough to be a fan of
1: art and not be derivative. Um, you think it's impossible, right, Nick? Yeah, I think it's impossible not to be derivative to some degree, right? I think I mean even you know some of the greatest innovators and innovations, the things that are that's, are seemingly new. you know we look at how you know, just a quick example outside of film, we talk about you know Uber, you know, changing the game basically. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, but it's still, someone's driving you somewhere, right? It's mm-hmm. derivative of taxis, but they created an innovation inside it that killed the taxi, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's the thing is that, yeah, it's derivative because most things have been done already. Most things have been said already, but it's how you say it, right? Sometimes it's to whom you say it. And sometimes it's the, the presentation of the context around what's being said. So, yeah, I think it's it's literally impossible not to be derivative of something, whether intentional or unintentional. But the game changer, you know, for indie film is, you know, innovating, is saying it with a voice that hasn't been heard yet or singing in a context that hasn't been heard yet.
0: I, I think it's a I think the thing where that you might think is derivative. See, I don't actually view uber as derivative for example i view it as integrative um and i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying this is the way so with uber they took two good ideas to make something new yeah and you know in the words of of peter till they they made it an order of magnitude better than the current solution yep and so i think that's what happens with with film is that uh, or an in, in artist in film or in music or, or in poetry or whatever is they may take uh, what could be considered derivative of one person's idea, but they never just stay in that lane. Right. Yeah. Right. They, that's the innovation. It, yeah. They right. combine yeah. it with something else. Yeah. Yeah. So they innovate. Well, the innovation is when they take something else that might also be derivative, right? Because Uber didn't create the internet. Mm -hmm. but they combine something that's analog with something that's digital. And now they've innovated something brand new. That's disruptive. There you go. Right. And I think, I think that's what, as an artist, you have to sit down every day and be working toward versus saying, okay. um, You know, what's in fashion right now what's being purchased right now. Um, you know you know what's hot right now and so many it's it's almost hackish you could say it's hackish to do that and a lot of pitches are like that over the yeah, year, well, over the years exactly. we've gotten a lot of pitches that are like oh and what's hot right now is this
1: but even if it's not what's hot right now the other negative the other downside the other thing that we think filmmakers shouldn't do is just continue to say it's like whether it's now or 10 years ago It's not about, well, this is like this and this, right? Mm, (laughs) You know, it's like this movie. And it's, no, 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 no. I don't want to know that it's like that because it's not going to be like that, right? Because the movie you're likely comparing to is a studio film and you're not a studio film. You're not a studio filmmaker, right? So it's not going to be like that. You told me it's like that, but it's got actors that you're not going to get in your film, right? So it's not like that. And the other side of it is, is that that's what we want now. There's so much content out there. I don't want content that's like anything. I need a differentiator, right? So as an independent filmmaker, you need to be coming with, this is unlike anything you've ever seen. You might have heard, right? So the derivative part is that, again, most things are derivative of something to some degree. Mm -hmm. So you might have seen a movie like this, but this isn't like this. You know why it's not like that? Because of the context, because of the audience, because of where we're coming from, because we have, you know, a DP that's going to do some fantastic things. We're going to add these effects. We're going to add this person. We're going to do it in a different environment, a different location. It's all about differentiating yourself at this point. Because there's tons of like that content out there. Mm-hmm. You got to be different.
0: Yeah. And so. I think, I think we, you know, our, our involvement in films has, have sort of shown that, that, you know, we were like, okay, this, cause, cause you can, you can tell me this is the genre and this genre does well, or this genre, um, this will fit nicely into this section, this genre, this type, but, the words on the page and, you know, say what you will about all light will end, for example, but I just hadn't known of very many stories about fugue state. I mean, enough to where I had to go to the dictionary and look up fugue state, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. so, so on the paper, you know, there was like, Ooh, this is a cool concept. Um, And, and the other films know, we've been involved in and, and that we will continue to be involved in films we have coming up. They're very, they combine two concepts very well and you can't find its, its equal you know, quickly or, or its, or its sister or sibling quickly. Um, that's, that's a really big point. And I think that, I think that the normal take, the general take, um, for, creatives is to say, uh, because of the whole comp system, by the way, which, you know, Nick, I know you have a whole talk track on the whole comp system encourages filmmakers to say, my movie is like X, Y, Z, and therefore it will make its money back. And therefore
1: uh, you should like it and it will be liked. Yeah. And that's not where... Filmmaking, I think in general is going, I don't think that's where, especially where indefe- independent, filmmaking is going. Um, there are so many independent filmmakers out there, um, of different types, you know, YouTubers are independent filmmakers, whether your feature film, independent filmmakers want to believe that or not. Right. There's these I- ideas of different classes of filmmakers, potentially, um, uh, But what the YouTubers of the world have figured out and what the Netflixes of the world have figured out is that there are communities vying for and dying for very specific niche content, right? So it isn't about things that are like things anymore. It's about things that my community likes, right? Mm -hmm. Things that that make sense to me or of interest to me. That's what it's about. So, yeah, the comp system itself is just, I don't know if it's dying or if it's actually dead because it's just not where people are going. You know, it's just
0: I think it still has a place in a prospectus, but it's so hard to nail it down. And and then also with the Netflix Look at that. Yeah, that's Netflix-ification a word. <laughs> of of content. You won't know the comp, right? Like, cause they won't release the data. They don't tell you how many times a film has been streamed. Right. Um, you literally And if you're have going to... back
1: 10 years, that's not going to work for you. Right. right? I mean, right. 10 years, the world was different, you know, let alone film. The You know, the actors and who they were was different, you know, so yeah, I think it's, it's dying. It's a dying, I can't even call it art. It's, it's a dying system that I don't think is going to survive for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. You might, you might be very right, or we might just find a different way to do it. Um, inside of a prospectus, we might find that, that, the value of a comp is, is so is decreased to the point that no one's making a buying decision or investment decision around that. It's really, it really will come down to execution and cast only, or maybe a couple other factors. Um, Maybe the the strength of your sales agent to get foreign pre-sales, maybe an Um, audience, you know, again, your
1: audience and yeah. Brand. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about dog movies, you know, you don't have a lot of people making dog movies because you got to get a dog trainer. (laughs) <laughs> right. You got to figure this like using animals and babies in a movie is not an easy thing to do. So you don't have a lot of people doing it, but there is an audience for dog movies. I was going to say every dog movie that gets made
0: is going to get streams. Right. Um, because, <laughs> because there's a group of people who can't get enough of that sad feeling they get when the dog has to make the ultimate sacrifice for its master.
1: Right. Yeah. So again, that's that's the audience. Right. So it's not like this film is like that film. It's that this audience is ripe for content. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. And if you can target the audience with that niche content, then that's the play. That's the investment that people are looking to make.
0: Number one independent film this year. And this is this is just speaks to the point. Number one independent film this year is... Do you know what it is? I do not know. Please inform me. It's called... You've heard of it. It's called The Farewell. There you go. The Farewell is a master class on how to do an independent film. Got picked up by A24. It opened in, I think, just four locations. Um, two in New York, two in Los Angeles. And... It actually broke the Avengers Endgame record for um best per screen average in 2019. So their per screen average was eighty-seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-three dollars. And uh Avengers Endgame was 76 grand in change, right? Okay. So this movie is it's not the movie you think you're we would be talking about in 2019 as the most successful independent film, uh, in 2019, um, financially speaking. Now, there are others coming right around the corner. There's some Shia LaBeouf, La, LaBeouf movies, or LaBeouf, right? I saw that. I what the fuck you say? Anyway, he's he's a he's an awesome dude, uh, yeah, <laughs> but but there's some movies coming from him that could could. Uh, dance with with the Farewell, for example. Um, there's just a few. We're we're in we're in award season for movies, but right now, as it stands, the Farewell is the most successful independent film, and it is truly independent. Um, with the with some recognizable faces, but for the most part, the only star in the movie is Aquafina, right? Who is is not at all a household name, even despite crazy rich Asians.
1: Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say recognizable. Um, so there are a number of recognizable faces in it um, in the Asian film space, uh, right? Like Tzi Ma, and I think that's how you say his name Tzi, Tzi Ma. Uh, I think he's, oh, man, I've seen numerous films with that guy, um, famous, you know, in an Asian film space. Mm-hmm. And then Shu uh, Zhen Zhao. She is, again, a face that a lot of uh, folks in that, you know, in Asian film space would know that in the general market, the market that you're talking about, where they've had their greatest success, people might not know their faces. Um, But yeah, like you said, it's a true indie in that it isn't the um, big box office stars that are showing up in that film. And it is very, very, very much, even though I have not seen the film, I've seen enough of it. To know that it is very much about character and the stories of those characters um, and not a lot of the, I don't know, the glitz, glam and special effects that are associated with more of the, the blockbuster films. So so I hear you and, I, and, I'm, and I'm happy for them. Right. I'm yeah, happy for yeah. independent film uh, and the idea of character, you know, making the film a success. Right. It's a huge boon to independent film because that's what independent filmmaking really if it's not about that like if it's an independent film and you're not deep into your characters you're you're losing you're, you're it. likely to you're like you're, no
0: you're likely to be derivative. derivative. You're right. Derivative. So when you watch The Farewell there's no tricks. There's no um there's no pop culture splash. There's no play to be commercial when that's not who you are and that's not who your audience is. Yep. Right. Right. Like it's, it's this crazy, like I, I'll take it back, like all the way back to what I was talking about in the beginning in my group, I would always tell them like, we're not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about trying to uh, we're, we're competing in the marketplace potentially with, with the boys demand at the time of the world, but, but to make music like them, it's like trying to cash a lottery ticket that's already been won. Right. Um, they already did that. And so they don't, there's no one that it's why all for one didn't pop off the way they should have. <laughs> like our, our, our color me bad basically had one to two hits. Right. Um, you know, we, we saw that. And then you say, well, what about all the boy bands that happened in 2000s? That was different because what they did is they took black music and gave it to white guys.
1: But the, but they also, and that's the innovation, right? But they also, did the boy band, <laughs> right? The boy band was different because yeah, yeah. Boys and Men wasn't dancing like they, that. They danced, in they danced in nah, Motown, Philly. Nah, you can't, but just you, they just danced poorly. Seriously, you're trying to compare Boys to Men to like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, you know, the bye 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 dance. Like, oh, no, no, they were hey, much better dancers. Older so it's not even, thing. but
0: but they didn't, but they didn't necessarily dance when they sung a slow song. That's all I'm saying. So, oh, yeah. I, so, I hear th- you. so they tried to be Joe to see like, like, you know, was that song gone by NSYNC? They were yeah. nobody danced in that. They just, they just looked into the camera longingly, like every other R and B singer would, but, but, but here's, okay. So, so that's, so here's the interesting thing. So I'll go back to, I'll go back to the farewell. Yeah. So ha- having said that point point, yeah. and every independent filmmaker, Needs to listen up to this and and take this to heart and utilize it as you go into your own casting process and casting of crew process. So you mentioned, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, is it size su- Ma or, or, I don't know how to pronounce it when it's the T Z I. Is it like yeah. Sun No, it's T.
1: It, thi Ma? Yeah, thi Ma. So thima? it's T Z I. So thi Ma. Yeah. Dima
0: yeah. yeah so he's you, you might not know, know the name but you know the face for sure yeah. and um and he plays you know Aquafina's dad in the in the movie but he talked he, he's a big name like you mentioned especially in 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 foreign markets he said he signed up for the movie because he felt strongly about the story and because it was important to support people who are coming up.
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: When he, he, and to continue the quote, when you do an independent movie, you do it because you want to do it. You go into these projects because you believe in it. And the fact that it's a story that needs to be told, not necessarily because it'll be financially successful in any way. The director, by the way, is a sophomore film. So, so before everybody poops and says, oh, well, it was made by, no, it's a person who had only made one film before this. Um And every actor in the movie basically agreed and said, we as actors want to support people who are coming up because we know how difficult it is to be an independent filmmaker, particularly minorities and particularly women. So um, basically what it came down to for them was that the script was so compelling. So I think leaving this subject and and moving on to the next one, but but putting a, a stamp on it a little bit, Go through your story. Ask yourself: Did you write it in the vein of? Is it derivative of something that's basically already won the movie lottery? And if so, try to go back and rewrite it or scrap it. Um, if you can't find a story like yours out there, you're on to something. You're on to even if the even if the movie in the script needs work. If it's not like anything else, uh, you're on to something, and that's what the farewell was. The farewell was just a movie that was narrative heavy, relatable because it's family, different because it's Asians. Yep. And completely independent. And we all need to look to the farewell as our North Star for the art we're trying to create. Uh you have anything else on this before we go to the
1: Emmys? No man. You know, I I I'm just gonna say I I agree and it's in the, it's in the art. Right. And that, and like you said, the people were just enamored with the story. They were enamored with the art of it. It was that simple. It was, it was a story that need that they believed needed to be told.
0: Oh, um, oh, and let me jump in. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, and the, I mean, I, cause this has to be said. And the other thing they did that's so important, the thing that Bonta can help with the thing that we focus on, we focused our careers on in film is that the movies that are not hacks, the movies that are written, that are, are written by art tours or, or artists that are onto something. The film is always true to its understood market and audience. So if you look at The Farewell, they didn't change the writing because they were going to have a U.S. release. They, they wrote it true to a Chinese family. So that at the very least, a Chinese family would say, "That's
1: spot on." Yeah, and if anything, you know, you have your Chinese Americans. <laughs> you know, like it's well, still well true the movie. To well, them. the movie.
0: Ha- so much of the movie happens in China that it's like if if they would have changed something to make it more relatable to a U.S. audience, it would have come off as
1: hackish. Right. Yeah. That's, that's,
0: that's, that's so, 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 so critical. I just can't. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's, again, it's, that's when I get back to your, your community that you're speaking for and you know, the audience that you're reaching out to. Yeah. If it is true to them, if you're speaking for them on behalf of them, with them, then they're going to come out for you. And that's, I think that's what they did. And I think, you know, if you do well with character, which is where independent filmmakers really need to sink their teeth into, right? That's its character. Uh, then folks that are not necessarily in that community still want to be a part of it because of the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people outside of those communities want to look into those communities, right? That's, That's... why a lot of folks listen to rap music, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. they, they don't, they Correct. don't want right. to be in the, they don't want to be in the trap. But they want to hear about it. They want to hear about the trap, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's why we have. <laughs> that's why we have war reporters.
1: See, there you go. We don't no want to be in the war. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but we do want to
0: hear about it. Yeah,
1: but yeah. but but you want to hear about it in exactly. a way that you that feels authentic to you, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the the case that you're making for the farewell is there's mm-hmm. that it's just or that it's you authentic
0: have, or you have the sense that it is authentic. Right, exactly. It's, the it's, it's, it it's, it's why off. it's why audiences get mad when they find out their favorite artists had all their songs written for them. Right, it's like oh, we thought we knew you. Turns out right. we knew some other guy or gal that never got in front of the camera. Right, and then we're really hearing about their experiences sung by an act. Yep, which strangely rhymes with hack. <laughs> uh, so. so So, and, and, and look, we always say this on every consultation call and anybody we work with, that's why the branding process has to start in pre-production or it's optimal if it does, because you need to know your audience. You need to know your audience before you start so you can remain true to those people. And when you're true to a small audience, the bigger audience respects it because that audience you're speaking to will go and do a network effect for you.
1: Right. And the reason you start in pre-production is because that audience that you're speaking to, uh, there's a language that they speak. And if you're making sure that you speak that language during production, that when the film is done and it's ready to go out, they are ready to hear, and they're able to hear what it is you have to say. If you're not speaking their language, (laughs) they're not going to spend the time to get a translator. So at the end of this project, if you started it with their language, ended it with their language, they can hear what you have to say. Very, very good. Uh, Emmys, Nick,
0: what are your thoughts about how independent filmmakers can leverage, use the Emmys uh, as research?
1: Yeah, man, it was, it's interesting because, you know, Emmys is a big thing for people in the industry and outside, right? So the the outsiders are looking at it like, you know, look at all these fabulous people and look at their fabulous outfits and you know they're they're on the red carpet they're doing just fabulous amazing beautiful things and you know I'm looking at this like yeah I could deal without all the glitz and glam um, from an independent filmmaking side of it like that's all nice and some of us in the industry might think that's where I want to be one day Uh, and maybe so maybe that's maybe that's the gold star the gold standard that's what people want to achieve Um, but I, I just took a different take on the whole thing. And I think about all the people who weren't there. And I think about all the people who weren't nominated. And I think about those people being, uh, still being household names mm-hmm. or at least household faces, right? So it, let's say they're not a household name, but at least they're a household face. You know, they were in, you know, one of these, um, television shows, they were in one of these drama series, whatever it is. Um, and people recognize them. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I bet you these folks are the ones who maybe want the glitz and glam. They want their names to be recognized. And they have yet to do the thing that some of these other folks have done, which is attach themselves to a feature film. Hmm. And I'm like, those are the people, right? So if, if you're watching, you know, as an independent filmmaker and you're enamored by the stars, well, maybe your research should be to the people who are not stars, but who are actually household faces, because maybe those people are the ones who are not just willing, but who desire, who want to be in your film. Because that's the next thing that they need to do to show their uh, their chops, to prove themselves, to show that they can do feature films as well, mm-hmm. um, that gets them to the next level. And they're just looking for that next great project that's pitched to them to be involved in. Right. So as you know, we're sitting back, or a bunch of filmmakers are sitting back and they're watching the the pink and red dresses and they're looking at these other things. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't be distracted by those things uh, because that's distracting you from the work. Mm-hmm. Right. The work of the independent filmmaker is to get a hold of these household faces that can help to one, legitimize your work, but also be part of the brand that helps to bring a community to your work. So, you know, I'm just going to give an example of, you know, one of the projects that we're involved in in, uh, with adult, adult interference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen some great support from Mike Vogel's fans. Yeah. You know, his 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 fans, his fans are rabid. Yeah, man, they're coming through like gangbusters. And we appreciate them for what they're doing. You know, they're retweeting, they're sharing, uh, they've got their own websites, they're sharing information on the film and they're just putting it out there. And that's all because, you know, Mike Vogel in this is in his film and he has a community of people that support the work that he does, whether it's uh, television based or feature film or short film or whatever he's involved in, they're there to support him. And many of the people, these um, household faces Again, they don't have to be a household name. The household faces have fan bases just like that. And if those people are willing to go to bat, those people are willing to retweet, share, buy, do whatever, like those are the folks that you want associated with your next project. So, yeah, I look at the Emmys like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. This is great. Uh, but it's a great research project for those folks who are looking to uh, cast their next film. Look at the projects that are doing very well in the emmy space but don't necessarily look just at the people who are getting the emmys look at the other people on the cast because if those folks whether it's directors producers or actors or cinematographers sound people whatever it is are getting these emmys the products that they're associated with all of those people likely have fan bases that can be leveraged as part of the brand of your next film
0: Yes, yes, 100%. And um, it's, so, it's so interesting what can happen if the faces, I love that you said faces instead of stars, because it's not necessarily about getting some megastar in your movie, as we've said, ad nauseum. But to get a face that is recognizable For people who are outside of your audience, that's all they need to be engaged and to legitimize your film. Once they see that familiar face, boom, there they go. They're in. And then what a pleasure it is to have those people who know they have that familiar face, who have that fan base to turn around and support what you're trying to do as an independent filmmaker and, and support your movie. And and Mike Vogel's fans have been just, just incredible. Uh, You know, frankly, um, all along the way, um, Christine Woods fans have been great. And uh, sometimes as artists, I think it's easy to say, oh, that was just a little thing I did. And maybe I don't want everybody to see that I did this instead of just going for it and standing by it and, 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 and living in, in, in that place of pride for, for all the work you do, you don't ever have to be ashamed of something you do. If you know you kicked ass doing it, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, um, for sure. And, and and Mike Vogel definitely dominated in his role. Like he was funny, <laughs> he was funny as shit. And, yeah, he was. And, uh, and like, like obviously playing up this, this, sort of type of person, this, this sort of cliche or just trope-ish type of person, but playing it in a way where he lived in reality, um, you know? Uh, and that's that's tough to do because I've seen uh, indie films where they want to use a trope, but then the trope goes overboard. And and then it takes away the realism of what's actually possible, And I thought, I thought Mike wrote that really well. And I thought Ted and Stephanie did a good job of like writing in that stuff. So um, yeah, I wonder if there are like, we should look and see if we can make like a list of those names that, you know, want that adoration uh, are part of the Emmy
1: scene, but aren't attached to a feature film yet. Yeah. Again, there's research to be done there. You know, one of the names that you and I have been kind of tossing around as of late is the whole, you know, John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just thinking about him in the office. Right. Like, right. He wasn't the star of the office. From the standard of stardom. Right. Especially at right? the beginning. He he
0: he grew into that, but there was a there was probably a six year window where independent filmmakers could have thrown him a lot of scripts and he would have been in it. Right. And,
1: but he was that recognizable face and we liked what he did. So many people liked what he did, right? He, he became, I mean, you couldn't almost have the office without him and his relationship. Right. it was like, this is a, this is a huge piece of that puzzle, but he wasn't a star by the, in the sense of the stars that we think about. So if you're looking in a, you know, characters, strong characters in, in television shows or, or series, these folks are likely on the verge of stardom, right? So not only can you leverage the fan base that they have because of the, the familiarity they have with this character, but they're on the verge, right? They're literally teet- teetering. At some point, they're just going to blow up. And wouldn't you want them to blow up right after or during? you know, the time that they're on your film. Right. So that's a perfect thing. Like this is, that's a perfect audience to go after. So I think that there's, yeah, yeah, you could definitely, like I said, it's, you do the research and you look at these films that were successful and you pretty much ignore the people that you can't have. (laughs) Right. Yeah, And you go for the other folks that are on those things because everyone knows them too. You know, and then you go after them and you see if they can get them attached to your projects. And and one of the things that I would say with the research and kind of another, you know, kind of throwing a bone into the, uh, you know, to the independent filmmaking community is if you're going to look for one of these folks that has uh, a recognizable face for your project, as you're doing your research, make sure you know what that person is about. Mm. Right? right. Because they brand right. You took
0: that right out of my brain. I'm going to touch he, on that
1: in a second. Go ahead. Yeah, man, because their brand, um, they are also protecting, right. Or they're also, um, putting out there into the world. So just because they're recognizable and you want them in your film, if your film, if your product is off brand for them, then, you know, it doesn't make sense to approach them. But if you're creating something that is on brand for that person, their interests, their desires, uh, their community associations, whatever it is, then you gotta, you, you've got an opportunity there, right? You've got a match, uh, because they're going to want to, you know, again, express their brand through the film, um, be part of the community that you're a part of, or basically show people that they're already a part of that community. Uh, that's, that's the other part of your research. So it's not again, just the faces, but ensuring that those faces, those people, their brand aligns with the brand of the project that you're creating. Yeah, and so I've got two points, two,
0: two little talk tracks I, I have on this before we wrap. Um, one slightly akin to to what you just said about brand, but in a different direction, which is, um, well, I guess they're, they're sort of, both points can relate to it a little bit. But I think what happens a lot of times is we we've written a great script. Uh, we're going to go out and try to get funding. We're going to find a team, and the what we tell uh, what we tell the world is, is well, I see so and so, top fifteen actor, top thirty actor, actress for for this role. Instead of looking at someone who who you can get that, that might, you know, do an equally good job on a performance side, but, but isn't so broad that they are the brand because one of the biggest problems with, you know, um, outside of just trying to get someone that's top 30, let's say, and that whole star system thing that I think is dead. Um, they themselves are a business. They themselves are a brand now but when you have someone that stock is on the rise and they're like consistently getting bigger and bigger and bigger, they actually have really specific niche audiences to your, to your point a little bit. And that makes it where you can really get specific and meaningful with your branding and you can still spend a fraction of the money to hit that audience where the bigger the person is and the more broad their brand is, the more money it takes to try to get the audience to see them as anything different.
1: Yeah. That's a great point, man.
0: And that's why I love getting these people that are on their way up. Like their stock is low now, but it's clear their stock is going to rise and you're taking a gamble maybe, uh, based on their past, you know, five performances or something. There's, and there's a hundred people out there that are just like that, that are going to be, uh, John Krasinski in five years, let's say. Right. Um, Finding those people, putting them in your movie and then allowing yourself to brand around the different things you can brand for them specifically is really interesting to me. And I think it's it's a perfect cocktail for for independent filmmakers. So that's that's what I got. Uh, Nick, any any parting thoughts on this topic or for our audience before we before we wrap?
1: I think for me, the main thing gets back to the Emmys and what the Emmys are for the general crowd. And I'll just say that from an independent filmmaker perspective, don't get caught up in that, right? Like, at the end of the day, we got work to do, right? As an independent filmmaker, you have work to do. You got to work to make it through this industry, to make it in this industry, and to make it in this industry. So do the work. Don't get caught up in the glitz and glam and who's wearing what outfit and who wins it's really like this is an opportunity to do some research. You know, this is an opportunity to see, you know, maybe maybe even who was nominated and didn't win, but it's more about the shows, right? What are the Mm -hmm. shows out there that are being nominated? Because it isn't the person who won who made the show. It's everyone who made the show that enabled that person to get nominated. So if you're now looking at the other people who helped make it, then maybe they can help you make it. Mm, yes, exactly. I I I love that, and I love
0: um, the crew part because without them, there's really no execution, and and they often get left out of these conversations even we have because because the thing that's right out in front of you is you know who wrote it, who directed it, and who's starring in it. But that it's the it's the whole team. So yep, you know, very good point.
1: Nick, always
0: so much fun on Andy Talk Week, isn't it?
1: Yeah, dude. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back. You know, that uh, that dirty knife got me the last <laughs> time. And uh, I, I got I to gotta send my shout outs and appreciation for Sandrine for coming through and doing an amazing job in my stead. Uh, you know, I appreciate her. I appreciate you for, um, for continuing on. You know, I, I was definitely glad that we didn't have to, to to take a break and have a lull in the conversation, and uh, I appreciate the serendipity of the moment. And it goes back to one of our first principles about no mercenaries. Uh, we didn't bring Sandrine in because we needed to fill a gap in our conversation. Uh, we brought Sandrine in because she's a friend. We brought Sandrine in because we knew that she'd be a part of a great conversation. We brought Sandrine in because she is a true independent filmmaker doing great things in independent film. So, yeah, I'm glad to be back. But at the same time, I really appreciate what Sandrine and you did uh, when I was absent, you know, uh, try not to die for some bad sushi. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Nick. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's awesome, and I thank Sandrine too. She's she's fantastic and was so um, was so willing and and so open to to doing something um, completely out of left field, completely blindsided, and completely off her schedule. So bless you, Sandrine. We appreciate it. And Nick, you've learned your lesson. Just just stick to cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Is healthy foods only healthy yeah when the knife is clean
1: yes sir yes sir. Yep. there you go nick have a good night yeah man you too brother i appreciate you man this has been great as always all right man talk to you soon yes sir peace you've been listening to the make it
0: podcast to find out more information on this week's creative including links to their projects and social media feeds please visit our website at wwwbonsaifilm forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for make it bonsai creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore bonsai creative and on Facebook by searching for bonsai creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsaifilm and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better,
1: be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.